Remember the old saying that says like, yeah, right, someday that'll happen when pigs fly. But God has called us into a lifestyle. Not like every once in a while, here or miss, here. No, he's called us into a lifestyle of trusting him and believing him for the supernatural and the miraculous in our everyday life. You say, how can you make such a claim? Well, Jesus said he, to his disciples, he said, listen, of, of all the things I've done, raised the dead, healed the sick, prayed for, he said, when it's I'm gone, once I've ascended back into heaven, you'll do even greater things than me. Well, he did all those things, and he's saying that we have this promise of we get to do even great. You should get excited about that. Amen. Uh, you've heard me say it many times before that Bill Johnson's statement, uh, I love it so much. It says that God's expectation of us is to do the impossible. Well, again, how, how can you say that? How can you say God's expectation is because Jesus said it? He said, hey, I did the impossible. I showed you how to walk in signs and wonders. And after I'm gone, you're going to be able to walk in those same things. So we've been looking at, you know, what, what are these in things that are impossible made possible through God? And how do we get there? And how do we discover it all? Because I believe that's the church that this world is dying to see. Not one that gives good speeches and has cute programs, but a church that people can come and encounter a God that makes their life better and transformed, sick, healed, depressed, set free. Are you with me? An active, alive body of Christ that's filled with the Holy Spirit out making a difference. Are you with me? And so uh, we spent a little bit of last week talking about the Holy Spirit and his nature and kind of where he first shows up on the scene and some of the characteristics. But I want to say off the bat, the deep dive of our teaching on the Holy Spirit is really happening in our classes. Whatever arrangements you can make to be at those the next few weeks, I really strongly encourage you to do it. So even though I'll kind of dip my toe in it today and, and these things are great thoughts, I really want us to be committed uh, to those classes and, and the thorough work uh, of those classes. Amen? So four things, uh, four accounts that I first want to show you. Jesus came to, he came to earth. So we believe God came down on earth, took on flesh and blood, Jesus, and he lived among us to do what? To show us the way. He said that I came to bring you life and bring it to you more abundantly. Not only does that mean a way of salvation, it also means I'm showing you how the kingdom of God is supposed to function here on earth. He's literally walking among us in the first four books of the Bible. We have an account of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's literally, he's saying like, look, the kingdom of God is being revealed by the works of Jesus. It was the blueprint. It was the plan. It was the, this is the way it's supposed to be. If Jesus did it, we're called to do it. Am I making sense? And so uh, a few of those things that we need to take a look at when it pertains to the Holy Spirit. If Jesus came to show us the way to live, well, what did that look like? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 said that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. I was, oh my gosh, oppressed by the devil. What are you, what are you talking about? We're talking about people that were, that were losing, that, that were being, you know, their lives are being destroyed by evil. You don't got to get so weird about it. Like, oh, we better look for those that are oppressed by the devil. No, it's people that are sick and cancer and depression and all the struggles that the enemy is trying to oppress people with. Don't make it weird. You, you guys always blame the preachers for making it weird. You guys are the one making it weird. No? no? Okay. But it's just saying he went about healing and, and helping people. And, and it said, for God was with him. Again, Jesus being our example. It says he went about healing. But what did it say? It said that the Holy Spirit was with him and he had power. And it said, for God was with him. Who's the God that's with him? The Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit was the one that was with them. So Jesus was living and functioning with the Holy Spirit and his power in his life. Are you with me? If he did, we're called to. Everybody say amen. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the function of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. And so if the Holy Spirit came and it gave us power, I believe that the scripture is talking about the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of the function of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leading us, the Holy Spirit using us, the Holy Spirit guiding us. It's not uh, for us to have poems and great speeches and wonderful Christian bumper stickers. No, we need to be able to display the power of God, the kingdom of God functioning in power. Amen. Amen. (laughs) The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so then we jump into the fifth book of the Bible, which is Acts, the book of Acts. And uh, I described to you a few ways the Holy Spirit operates with Jesus. But the book of Acts, the fifth book of the Bible, is the historical record of the start of the church. What begins to happen in the book of Acts is, is what we're called to walk in today. It's literally Jesus is like, okay, I'm ascending unto heaven. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that in a minute. And I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And then from now on, function like the book of This is how you're called to live it out. Am I making sense so far? And so the, the historical record in the historical record of the start of the church is full of the Holy Spirit. All through the book of Acts is full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So again, if you were raised, oh, that's for back then, that was only for that, is so incorrect because Jesus functioned into the Holy Spirit. We're imitators of Christ. And so if Jesus did it, we're called to walk in it. And if the release of the new church was released with the Holy Spirit, then how many know that's how we're called to walk? Amen. You'll get there with me. That's fine. So one thing we talked about last week is the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it. It's not a power. Even though in scripture, it's talked of like a dove, like wind, like fire. It's all of these things. Those are, those are attributes. Those are likenesses. But the scripture is very clear that it is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. We don't say it, the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's the person of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is a person and God sent him here to earth, right? I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Then that means, as we said last week, the most important person on this earth today, right now, the most important person on this earth today is the Holy Spirit. The most powerful person on this earth right now today is the Holy Spirit. As much as we'd love to say, oh, the next great, uh, you know, Bill Gates, the next great this, the president, the next thing. These are the most important people. You want to get to know these people. No, the most important person on this earth is the Holy Spirit. And we ought to have a great desire to get to know that person. If he's the most powerful, the most important, the most influential, the most capable, we ought to desire a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love this. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 16. Some of the tops of your Bible at the beginning of this verse, it might say Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, but this is him at the Last Supper, and many of you have heard me use this example before, where Jesus, uh, you know, before you leave, whether you have a house sitter or a babysitter or whatever, usually before you take off or you're leaving your workplace and the next shift is coming in, you give them a few details, but then you always say, like, you reiterate the most important one. You say, hey, uh, you know, all these things, but also don't forget, and you tell them the most important thing before you leave. That's essentially what Jesus starts doing before he ascends to heaven after his resurrection. He's sitting down and he's saying like, hey, I'm getting ready to go to my father. I'm going to go to heaven. And then here's the really most important things you need to know. So he's setting this up at the, at the last supper. He says this in John 14, 16, Jesus, or he says, I will ask the father 
and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you know, it's going to be with you forever. Now, we'll say this. If he promised it to the disciples and he promised it to them to be with them forever, how many know the Holy Spirit is still a promise for us today? It's a promise for us that he'll be our advocate. He'll be our helper. He'll be working alongside us, leading us, prompting us, guiding us. If it was for them, it's for us. Amen. If you don't agree, I have another scripture to back that up in a minute. But here's what I love about this word advocate. The word advocate, it says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. If you uh, look up some other meanings of that word, it means I will give you an upholder, somebody who upholds you. How I many know times in life I need somebody to hold me up? And that's what the Holy Spirit, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to figure it out by your own thoughts, your own mind, your own family, your own connections. You got a Holy Spirit that can come and uphold you. That's a good news. Amen. Another one is a supporter or a promoter. You got a Holy Spirit that's working on your half, promoting for you, working on your behalf to promote and arrange and put you in places. Amen. And so think about that. You sit down at your desk and you're saying, man, I, I got to figure this out. I got this thing. Well, you've been given a helper and it's upholding you, and it's promoting you, and it's advancing you, and God wants to bless you. What a gift it is for us to have the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thought about this. John chapter 16, verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, this is before Jesus ascends to heaven, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart unto heaven, I will send him to you. It is to your advantage. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper cannot come to you. Which I actually hate the word helper here. Because it's, it doesn't do a good enough job in my opinion. Helper just sounds like, oh, you're going to help her. You know, put your... But like we weren't given a helper. You were given like the Terminator. You know, it's like when you're a kid and you have a bigger brother and you're out there on the playground and you're picking fights and it's about to go down and then big brother shows up and you're like, yeah, right? What's up now? I got this guy. That's like the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's like, oh, right, enemy, you're trying to pick on me. You're trying to mess with me. You're trying to put that on me. Hey, just one minute, God has sent me this helper. He's not so much a helper. He sent me this terminator, this, you know, are you with me? And, and so, uh, again, obviously, I respect what it's helper, and, and, and that, I, I get it. But I think in our mindset, it's so much more than that. I've said this before. When we were sent the Holy Spirit, you were basically sent cheat codes, it's really not fair the way that we're playing in the world today. We got, you know, the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against principality and powers. And then we were given the cheat code to defeat all of that. You were given the one who's perfect and is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he conquered the grave. I mean, it's really not fair. Amen. The only time we get in trouble is when we start to do it by our own hand and our own might and our own. So you were given something incredible, the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, I wish Jesus was still here. I just wish he was still walking among us. Well, if Jesus was still here and there's 7 billion people on the planet, it means you would have to wait 85 years in line to get two seconds with Jesus. It's not better that he would stay with us. It wouldn't be better. Instead, he said, I'm going and I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, God, and he's going to be alongside you and in you everywhere you go. Amen. So think about that. We don't have, you know, one Jesus on earth. We all got God on the inside of us. We're all, the ratio looks a lot better when he says, I'm sending you all the Holy Spirit and you can all go out with God. It makes a lot more sense, right? That's why he says it's to your advantage that I send you and equip you with this Holy Spirit because it's, it's to everyone's advantage that we walk that way. John 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is, again, another point. If Jesus walked with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, as I was sent, you're called to be sent, that means that we're called to walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. What I love about this is it says, peace be with you. This isn't something you got to freak out about. Saying, hey, peace be with you. As my father sent me, I'm sending you. He's saying, like, be, be cool about it because you're totally equipped. You got nothing to worry about here. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense this morning? So he's like, hey, receive the Holy Spirit. I thought about when I was flipping houses with my dad. Uh, you know, you buy houses for low and then you, you flip them for high. You work on them and you make them better and you flip them for high. And so in between some of my church jobs, I would come back home and, and work with my dad while he was doing that. And I wasn't the most skilled labored person. I didn't know a lot about that. And so um, I would be working on things. You know, a lot of flipping is demolition first, and then you put back and make, make things pretty later. And so I would be, you know, just doing the best that I could, working hard. And so I would be smashing things and cutting things. And sometimes my dad would come into the room and he would kind of see what I was doing. And he'd be like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he would go back over to the other. He'd be like, hold on, I got, I got something for that. And he would go in the other room and he would bring me a different tool. He'd be like, use that for that. And I'd be like, oh, this is so much easier if you use a sawzall instead of like my handsaw. You know, I didn't know. I said, Dad, you didn't tell me you couldn't cut down two by fours with a drywall saw. I didn't know, you know, like, but that's what God did. He's like, oh, oh, oh I see how you're trying to do it in life. I, I see what you're trying to do by your own might, your own hand, your own understanding, your own way. Hold, hold on. I got something for that. Let me send you what you need. Are you with me? That's what the gift of the Holy Spirit is. That's what, when he sends us this helper, it's like, hey, I, I know what you're going to need to do this thing in life. I got something for that. Are you with me? And many of us are like, oh, no, the Holy Spirit, I don't know. I'd rather do it my own way. And you're drywall sawing Christians out there. God, I can't get breakthrough. There's a lesson. This, I hope, is your aha moment. Uh, this, I hope, is your aha moment, your light bulb. There's this truth or there's this message that was given to us uh, in the book of Luke chapter one. I'm going to read it to you, uh, but it's the story of Zechariah and then the story of Mary. But if we can catch this central truth, I believe it can change everything starting the minute you walk out of here. Your marriage can be better. Your kid's life can be better. Your parenting, your job, everything can be better if we catch this concept. Luke chapter one, verse 18, it says, and Zechariah said to the angel, uh, so this is, this is uh, in the temple, the Gabriel angel, uh, Gabriel shows up and says to Zechariah, he says, hey, you're going to have a miraculous child. Uh, it's going to be John the Baptist. This is going to happen in your life. I'm here to tell you that. And so his response in verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how can this be? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in her years. So the angel is sent by God, shows up in a supernatural way and says, hey, by the way, you're going to have this child. It's going to be John the Baptist. And his response to the prompting of this angel and the Holy Spirit and, and God sending him, his is, how can this be? Like, what are you talking? How, how can this be? Don't you know that I'm a... So the response to the, to the quest or to the calling on his life comes from a place of like, yeah, right. I don't, how can this be? I'm old and so then what happens in verse 19 is the angel answered to him and said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you glad tidings. Verse 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. I would say it like this. 
resisting the spirit or the move or the way of God always brings disablement. Say it again. Resisting the spirit or the way of God or the call of God on your life always brings disablement in your life. It's like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Well, try it. Try how good it goes when God calls you to something and you run from him and you ignore him. And you... Now, we sang it this morning. He won't give up on you. He'll chase you down. He's going to get you. Amen. I don't mean that in like the crazy Southern Baptist, God's going to get you. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I pray that way for some of you. Playing. I'm kidding. Just first service people. Uh, but it's, it's this. Whenever you say, oh, oh, it always disrupts, disables, dis... Eight verses later, the same angel shows up to Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Hail, because I've told you before in heaven they sing hail to the victors, and so this is just the beginning. So hail, one receiving grace, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what kind of greeting this might be. And I'm so glad that that part's in there. God shows up, calls her into something, speaks something into her. God says, hey, this thing. And I love that, you know, here we are. God's showing up. He's showing up in a way. And at first she's like, oh, what's this going to be? How many have ever had that? You walk into a worship service. You get into a, a sermon starts, right? Pastor starts preaching about some things. You're like, oh, here we go. What's this going to be about? I love that it's a real, it said that she was found favorable. She was found right. And she was still a person who was like, what's this going to be? And he responds back to her. And the angel said to her, do not fear, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of God, uh, the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of David forever and his kingdom. There shall be no end. This is the key part in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how shall this be since I don't know a man? She had never done the thing with the guy to be able to conceive a woman, or a child, a woman, I guess. They're doing miracles, so whatever. <clears throat> but the one says, hey, we're too old, like, I, I, this can't be, blah, blah, blah. And this one says, hey, there's some impossibilities in play here, but tell me how this shall be. Because I have a belief that because you showed up on the scene, that it shall be, it can be, it will be. Are you with me? Two types of philosophies. God calls me into something. He prompts me. He shows up on the scene. And I respond in a place of doubt. I respond in a place of, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't think. Or it's a, hey, I don't understand it. I don't know how to calculate it. But because God showed up and said it by his spirit, I believe that it shall be. And so what I love here is verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit shall envelop you or come upon you. The Holy Spirit of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One will be born of you and shall be called the Son of God. The translation for the Holy Spirit enveloping or coming upon her is to armor you by the Holy Spirit. To be armored by the Holy Spirit. Living in such a way that you're armored by the Holy Spirit. Imagine if we woke up, because the promise of the Holy Spirit is that he's in you, he's with you, he's for, what if we woke up every day just thinking, you know what, today's going to be a great day, because I'm armored in the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit in me, on me, around me, everything I do can be spirit-led, following God, are you with me today? So this promise is that you're so taken care of, and I love that she says this in verse 37, for with not, she says, be it unto me according to your word, for with God nothing is impossible. 
For with God, nothing is impossible. The way that she went about this would be if I had you come over to help me with a project. It would be like, hey, we got to do this, we did this. And you came into the room and you looked at it and you went, how's that going to be? That's, that can't be. That's not going to be. She shows up on the scene and looks at the scenario and says, hey, tell me how it's going to be. Tell me how this shall be. She had a belief that even though the circumstances looked like what they looked like, I'm going to obey and I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit because I believe that it can be, it shall be. Am I making sense today? It shall be. We have too many can it be Christians. Well, I don't think, you know, you just know, you know, I would love to be consistent at church, but you know, I don't think we can get the kids out of bed that often. I don't think we can do this. Oh, I'd love to start serving and get in ministry, but I don't think it can be, you know, my schedule. Oh, we'd love to be able to give the way God calls us to live and the things he puts on our heart, but I don't know if we can. Are you with me? But what if we woke up every day, the Holy Spirit has armored me and equipped me, and I've been sent this helper, and I don't know how we're going to be able to get to church the way, but it shall be. I don't know how we're going to be able to fix this marriage, but it shall be. I don't, are you with me today? Just believing that it shall be instead of speaking what it can't be. I love this. You may have a how, but God has a Holy Spirit. You may have a, how's it going to be? How? But God's got a Holy Spirit who takes care of that part. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed by his spirit. It's saying this, like your eyes can't figure it out, your ears can't, your mind can't conceive it, but God by his Holy Spirit has a desire to reveal it to you. Amen. Meaning you can sit down at that desk and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I want to lead this company with integrity. I want to lead. You've put me in this position. I want to do it to my best degree. I can't see. I can't hear. I can't understand. But God, by your Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me the way that I need to lead this business? Or you sit down in your marriage, you say, I don't understand, God, by my eyes, by my ears, by everything that I'm looking at. I don't understand how this is going to make it. But by your Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me the way that this thing is going to work? That's the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit that he's here to help you, uphold you. Amen. I'll close with this. We need to be a people that are, are, are living out this shall be. Stop calling things, the scripture says, we don't call things as though they are. We call them the way that they're going to be. They shall be. Uh, and so we need to speak that over our life. Uh, I love her word where she says, be it unto me according to your word. For with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. There's a scripture in uh, Zechariah chapter four. Uh, if you want some homework, you could, it's pretty mind blowing what takes place in this chapter. But if you read all of Zechariah chapter 4, it begins to describe a rebuild and how God is building and anointing and equipping his, his church and this work. So if you just look up Zechariah chapter 4 and then you uh, search commentary about it, just begin to read every little example in there. It's so today. It's so the culture that we live in right now and the promise of what God wants to do in this culture. Anyway, Zechariah chapter 4, one of the scriptures in there says this, that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord that these great things are gonna to come to pass and this effectiveness is gonna take place. So what is it saying? It's saying it's not by anything you can think of, any strategy, any strong program, anything we can build. It's like breakthrough and what God needs to do, it's gonna come by us being a spirit-led people. But what I love in that same chapter is 
it's talking about how they'll come out blessed and they'll come through victory. And it says that they, that they say this, they're going to come out saying, God bless it. God bless it. It says it two times. And there's the times in our life where we say, oh, God bless it. God bless it. This is so great. God bless it. This is so sweet. And then there's times where you're just following the Holy Spirit. You're following his prompting. You're, you're grinding at what he's called you to do. And you almost have to speak the shall be, God bless it. God bless it. Right? Man, this is enduring. Man, this is taking a lot out of me. Man, this is a thing. God bless it. God bless it. We're, I love that you, you could almost hear it being said both ways. We got the days where it's, God bless it. I see how it's going to work. God bless it. God bless it. It's so beautiful. And then days where it's like, I don't see it, but I'm going to keep this heart of it shall be. God bless it. God bless it. We're going to get there. Amen. It's being spirit led, following God into all that he has for us. That's why the scripture promises in these last days, I will pour out my spirit. Why? Because it's the difference maker. It's the X factor. You can get a degree in every religion possible, every denomination degree you could get. And it still wouldn't come close to the revelation and the wisdom that the Holy Spirit can drop on you in one second. We got to be walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and all that he's called us to. That's why these classes matter. We don't do classes because we want to entertain people and we want to have something to do as a church. We got plenty to do as a church. People are messed up. We got a ton of work to do. Again, first service people, not you guys. But the Holy Spirit, he is not unbiblical or outdated. He's never been more needed and necessary than the day that we live in. Don't believe me. Watch the news. We need significant moves of God with signs and wonders to transform nations. It's the only way. There's no program. There's no slick book. There's no great idea that we can. We need the alive power of God functioning on this earth to be the difference maker. But I hope the light bulb for you today is that every time you have a question, every time you have a, a wonder, you don't go, can it be da, da, da. You go, okay, God, you called me. It shall be. God bless it. God bless it. We're going to get there. It shall be. And we're going to come out of it saying, God blessed it. God blessed it. Go with the shall be. Go with the shall be. As God speaks and shows you things, go with that instead of the doubtful can it be. Amen. He gave you something. Oh, I got something for that here cheat codes, empowerment, your upholder, the Holy Spirit. Let's find out some more about it in the classes and, um, and see what God wants to do. Maybe you're here and you were one of the doubters. You were the, I don't know if it can be, I don't know. Da, da. I encourage you to jump down to our prayer room, just down the hallway, past our coffee bars, our prayer team's back there. They can't wait to pray with you. And uh, maybe just go down there and, and just say, you know what, I wanna be a shall be person from here on out. Let them agree with you, believe with you and um, start an incredible thing where you can start saying, God, let it be done according to your word. Let it be. Let's do this thing. Amen.